So even if you're not a fan of the movie Shrek, chances are you've at least, I'm not sure why you wouldn't be, but anyways, even if you're not, you've probably heard the song Hallelujah that was released off of that soundtrack for that movie that was in the movie and has become hugely popular. Uh, there was a time shortly after the movie came out where it was just everywhere and I was like, this song needs to go away. <laughs> but the thing is, it's a really pretty song with a wonderful message. It was recorded by Jeff Buckley in 1994, just a few years before the movie was released and really went unnoticed until the movie came out. The thing is, Jeff Buckley didn't write that song. In fact, it was written 10 years before by a prolific Broadway musical writer and movie score writer named Leonard Cohen. Uh, he wrote it and recorded it on an album that he put out. And, and if you listen to the two songs side by side, they are similar. The words are similar. Some of the music is similar. But at the end of the day, they are still their own. They may, each has made it their own. Obviously, Cohen wrote it. It was his hat of the gate. But when Buckley adopted it, when Buckley saw the beauty in the song, he tweaked it. He tweaked it to fit his style. He tweaked it to fit something that spoke to him. And clearly it worked because the song never took off in 1984, even though this super famous musician and, and producer made it. it. But it did take off when Buckley did it because something about it did and still does speak differently to a different generation. There are tons of songs like that. If you go through a list of popular pop songs that were covers you know, that you I bet you'd find at least a few that you didn't know were written and performed originally and recorded originally probably five years by a different band, five years before, 10 years before, or even in some cases, 30 or 40 years before, right? Completely different genres of music. And yet the songs were both beautiful in their own right. One is older, one is newer. And the, and the newer one doesn't mean the older one is bad. In fact, it means this was really, really good, but this is what speaks to our generation now because every generation changes in its musical tastes. I don't personally care for much of the music that my parents care for, um, but although there is some, but not all, they don't care for what I care for and, and my kids certainly don't like the same music I like either. Times change, seasons change, tastes change. I think it's important that we remember that even though those seasons changed, the messages don't, right? Some of the best songs ever written in any genre at any time frame are about love, right? And sometimes about love and loss. But those are the things that human beings connect with just expressed differently in different times by different people. We do the same thing with sometimes with our hymns that we write and songs that we write in the church, even if they are newer songs, you might be surprised how many of them were released in the last 10 years were probably originally written and recorded a decade before that, or even 20 or 30 years before that, and just redone, updated, if you will, and made relevant to the people who were listening to it now. The artist made it their own. We do it sometimes with hymns, even if we don't recognize it. 
Isaac Watts was a writer of hymns in the late 1600s, early 1700s, and he wrote a number of hymns that are sung throughout many tribes. You can probably find them in old hymnals in just about every different denomination of Christianity. But I think this most popular one is probably a song we know called Joy to the World that you hear at Christmas time often, right? Joy to the world, the Lord is come. There's a reason why I speak and don't sing, but I think you get the vibe. Joy to the World was written in 1719 by Isaac Watts, and, and he had music with it. Some, some of our songs that we sing didn't start out as music. They started out as poems, and, and music was added later. The um, Star Spangled Banner, our national anthem, is one of those items. But Isaac did write music for his song. The thing is, in 1836, that music was stripped from that song by a series of writers who came in and instead changed the music to something that was more contemporary of the time. In fact, it was a combination of melodies from the musical Handel's Messiah that really drive the version of Joy to the World that we've been singing for nearly 200 years. It wasn't the original. The message was kept, but a new song was written around the message to make a difference, to make an impact on those who were hearing it in that time and that place. And that, and that brings us kind of to our, our psalm today. We are finishing up our series. We're not finishing up. We have one more week after this, but we're in the, our series, Jesus and the Psalms. And as we, we look into these psalm, this psalm today, we're going to obviously look for Jesus, right? And see where he is predicted and prophesied and talked about and how he, he brought the words of this psalm to life, truthfully, thousands of years later, right? In a way that was unexpected and was different, though absolutely beautiful in its own right, just as the original psalmist would have seen it. But he also talks about singing a new song. Uh, out of an old song, a new song is created, one that speaks to a different generation, speaks afresh. The message doesn't change, but the delivery does. And that's so important if we want people who are coming behind us. And make no mistake, there are people coming behind us each and every day we see them. We want them to be able to, just as Buckley did with Hallelujah, to make their faith their own. And that comes with making new songs. So if you would, read along with me. Psalm 98 is what we're going to read today. Psalm 98, we're going to read the whole psalm, but we're going to break it down into chunks. So let's start with Psalm 98, verses 1 through 3. I'm going to read out of the CSB, and it says this. Sing a new song to the Lord, for he has performed wonders. His right hand and his holy arm have won victory. The Lord has made his victory known. He has revealed his righteousness in the sight of the nations. He has remembered his love and faithfulness to the house of Israel. All the ends of the earth have seen God's victory. Sing a new song to the Lord, the psalmist says. That's actually a phrase that occurs many times in the, in the Old Testament. It occurs in Psalms 33, here in 98, but also in 40, 96, 144, and 149. It shows up in Isaiah 42. And it, shows, it actually shows up in Revelation, in, in Revelation 5 and Revelation 14. This concept of writing a new song is so critical because it means a song of the Lord's wonders, right? That's what he sings about. He says, sing a new song to the Lord for he has performed wonders. It's important that 
that our understanding and expression of those wonders and the amazing miracles and the power and the capacity and the deliverance of the Lord, those are things that should never become old, should never become mundane. Author David Guzik says it this way. He says, there should be something fresh, something dynamic about worship and the songs we sing to God. And part of doing that, part of keeping that dynamic and keeping that fresh and and alive and, and passionate and for people to own their faith themselves means writing new songs. If we think about it, even the Old Testament, Miriam, when Miriam wrote her song, as, as the people of God were being delivered, she didn't copy an Egyptian song. She wrote a new song to express where they were then. When Deborah, the judge, came along and wrote a song, she didn't just copy Miriam's song. She wrote a new one for that time and that place that would speak to her and her people. And then when Hannah came along and she expressed this song of thanksgiving for the Lord, for giving her a child that she thought she was never going to have, she didn't use Deborah's song or Miriam's song. Or when Mary writes a song in Luke chapter 1 about the arrival of Jesus, she didn't write Hannah's song or any of those that came before her. A new song is a sign that he is still alive, that the Lord is still alive and working. And when new songs grow, we should celebrate that because they reveal that a new generation is embracing who our, our Father and our Savior is. Now, this, this psalm speaks about more than just a new song. If you looked at those first three verses, you saw the word victory three times. That word victory is in Hebrew is yeshad. It means delivery or salvation, right? He says victory is salvation. Victory is deliverance from your enemies, from sin, from all those things that are holding you back from what God wants you to be. And that's certainly the theme of this psalm is that victory has come and God is going to deliver his people. We see in verse 1, he talks about his holy arm and his right hand. It's Those are really similar things. They refer to the means or a person that saves them. If we look at Isaiah chapter 52, verse 10, it says, The Lord has displayed his holy arm in the sight of the nations. All the ends of the earth will see the salvation of our God. Can you hear the echoes of Psalm 98, though done differently. The message is there. It is consistent across all of scripture, but it's expressed differently in a different time, in a different place, still for God's people. And in this case, for the entirety of the world. He's the psalmist, both the psalmist and Isaiah. And this section of Isaiah is something we very much consider to be predictive or prophetic about the coming of the Savior, Jesus Christ, the suffering servant, if you will. This is a, it demonstrates that even the psalmist, as he's writing it, knows that victory is a foregone conclusion. It is a victory that we know now will be fulfilled through Christ Jesus, the salvation of, of the Lord as seen by the world. In Luke chapter 2, this becomes even more clear. Just eight days after Jesus' birth, Simeon, who's known as a righteous and devout man, is promised by God that he will not die before seeing the Lord's Messiah. And in Luke 2, verses 32, 30 through 32, say that fast real three times real quick. 
I can't even say that phrase right real quick. It says, for my eyes have seen your salvation. You have prepared in the presence of all the peoples a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. This is God's new song, the arrival of Jesus, a new song for the world. Salvation has come through Jesus Christ and it's time to celebrate when a new song about God's working and his wonder and his miraculousness is written, it is a time to celebrate. Let's keep going in our psalm. You'll see it. It says in Psalm 98 verses 4 through 6, it says, let the whole earth shout to the Lord and be jubilant. Shout for joy and sing. Sing to the Lord with the lyre and with the lyre and the melodious song, with trumpets and the blast of the ram's horn. Shout triumphantly in the presence of the Lord our King. It is a call for joyous praise. At the temple, Mar author Marvin E. Tate says it this way. He says, the noise at the temple in these moments when new songs were coming about in particular, but just probably in general when they worshiped, the, the noise at the temple was legendary, right? It was loud and joyous and filled with the spirit moving and amongst and through his people in ways that they just, they had to yell. They had to express their joy for the, the songs that God had written and that he was still writing in their lives, right? These, these moments. He points to 2 Chronicles chapter 29 and verse 28 where it says, the whole assembly was worship and singing a song and blowing the trumpets. There's those trumpets again that we just saw in Psalm 98. Or in Ezra chapter 3, verses 10, verse 10, it says, When the builders had laid the foundation of the Lord's table, the priests dressed in their robes and holding trumpets, and Levites descended from Asaph holding cymbals. They took their positions to praise the Lord. They're setting themselves up in the place. We're getting ready. This is serious business, right? We are ready to make this an event. We are ready to praise the Lord. Listen to the instruments that are used here. In all of these texts, you're hearing lyres, which is a stringed instrument. You're hearing percussion in the, in the form of cymbals. You're hearing trumpets and shofars. That's what that ram's horn is. It's a shofar that is used. If you ever heard one blown, it is unbelievably loud. It's meant to call people from great distances. It's meant to signify victory or, or the coming of the year of Jubilee or the anointing of a king. This is a band. This is a big, fat, loud, raucous band alongside the voices of the congregation, loudly and with jubilance, celebrating the victory of God, both in the moment and forever they write a new song and celebrate the new things that God is doing in their lives. If we keep going in the psalm, it says this in verses 7 through 9 as we finish it up. It says, let the sea and all that fills it, the world and those who live in it resound. Let the rivers clap their hands. Let the mountains shout together for joy before the Lord, for he is coming to judge the earth. He will judge the world righteously and the people's Fairly, this new song that he started saying, let's sing this new song. It is spilled out of the sanctuary, right? It's spilled out of the sanctuary and the world is now a part of it. You hear of the world itself moving, right? The seas, the rivers, the mountains. I've never heard of or seen a, a mountain clap, but it is something I would love to see, right? It's, it's this idea that it's this joyous, raucous, unabashed kind of, this is it. 
The whole world is speaking of what God is doing right here and right now. There's a, a theory, and I wouldn't go so far as to call it anything more than a theory about the pronunciation of God's name. It's, it's Yahweh is what we commonly know it as. It's Y-H-W-H. You might call it, heard, heard it called the Tetragrammaton, or you might have heard it pronounced Yehovah or Jehovah or something of that nature, but it's Y-H-W-H as we write it in English. But, but there's a theory out there that the, that the pronunciations that we currently use are wrong that it's not Yahweh, that it's not Jehovah. In fact, it's really more of an onomatopoeia, which means uh, a word that mimics the sound it's trying to describe. Ancient Hebrew scholars would have, would have said that, look, this is, this is the very breath that a first baby takes. It says, in fact, I have a quote here. It says, God had to inhale before he spoke the universe into existence and the notion behind this this phrase Yahweh is that it's really a it's kind of a, a breath those are pronounced consonants and if you stop for a second and you breathe in and breathe out you can almost you can almost hear that come without saying anything by simply breathing it shows up in a cry or a sigh or a groan or a gasp. Every time we draw a breath from our first to our last, we exalt the name of God. Isn't that unbelievable? And as his people were to do it with voluminous jubilance, those are my big words for the day. We're to do this with voluminous jubilance and with purpose. There are new songs still to come, as we see written, right? It says in here in verse 9, it says that the Lord is coming, meaning he's writing a new song. He's doing and done incredible things, miracles and wonders in our past. He is present among us, but he is also going to continue to do new things to bring about renewal amongst his people as he pulls them ever closer and closer to him. Now, we know that that final new song is yet to be written. It will show up in Revelation, right? As, as the Lord descends back to the earth, as Christ comes back for that second time, and he is imminently returning, by the way, that, that an yet another new song will be written. And our call is to continue to write new songs, songs that we own, songs that identify with who our Savior is and express in the jubilance and volume, dare I say, in a way that maybe we don't sometimes. Maybe we're not, frankly, loud and raucous enough about who our Savior is. Because if grace is really that wonderful, if God is really that good, and if he is still really working, those are the things that we should be shouting from the mountaintops over. That is who our Jesus is. And by the way, he is coming back. As I said in verse 9, it said, the Lord is coming John, in John chapter 5, verse 22, Jesus says, I am that judge who's going to come back. Jesus is the righteous judge of the world. He has said, look, I'm writing a new song for you as he's speaking to his people at that time in that place saying, I am here. This is a new song. I am that song that God has been promising you for centuries. I am that new song of Psalm 98. I am here to speak to you in the generations now and the ones that follow. But he also says in Revelation, in Revelation 5, verse 9, he says, I, they sang a new song. 
You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals because you were slaughtered and you purchased people for God by your blood from every tribe and every language and every people and nation. This is a new song that has been foretold just as the psalmist foretold it in, 90, in Psalm 98 that Jesus was going to be that new song to bring about the Lord coming. He's also writing a new song saying he's coming back again. Jesus is coming back and he's coming back to save all those who would call him Lord, would call him Savior. And that is something that we should be celebrating and pronouncing from the highest treetops to the world. And as we encourage those believers who are coming behind us to own their faith, to grow in their faith and to write a new song to celebrate our Lord and our Savior. My only question for you is, as these new songs are written and knowing that another new song is coming, Do you see it? Do you expect it with fear or with joy? Because if you're a follower of Jesus, it is only joy that should drive you. If it is fear that you foresee this new song coming, if this makes you afraid, you can fix that right now by becoming a follower of Jesus Christ. By stopping and saying, yes, Lord, I want to celebrate with his people. Yes, Lord, voluminous jubilance. I want to be loud and joyous in the presence of God, knowing that he is my savior, knowing that he has always been here working signs and wonders and miracles, that he has always been faithful. He has always been present. And oh, by the way, he is still writing new songs and will write the new song that will call all of his people to him. That, that is what I want to be a part of. Make that commitment today. And that life is yours. That joy is yours. And that new song, God may give you one to write as well for you so that you can embrace him fully and proclaim him to the world. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you and he be gracious to you. May he grant you favor and may he give you peace and may he help you write a new song. Take care.